A reading from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19, so that you might not fall asleep, so that we might honor the gospel, I invite you to stand. Up and down, you're getting your calisthenics. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way, Simon, Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. The first time that Jesus called his disciples to follow him, they went, they followed. No questions asked. They didn't know what they were getting into. Jesus said, follow me, and they did. But in our reading today, Jesus asked them to follow him again. This time they know what they're getting into. They know, yes, with Jesus, the world might be turned upside down. But they also know that with Jesus, the world will turn them upside down. They know that following Jesus will bring a cross. They know that following Jesus will be difficult. I guarantee it was probably harder to follow Jesus 
the second time than the first. Because the first time, you have the, you have the ability to have ignorance, the bliss of ignorance. The second time, you don't. I've often said that that's what God does. He uses people just dumb enough to do his work. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly with my call to this congregation. God needed a fool. He needed someone who didn't know anything about ministry. And of course, God had the perfect fool in mind in calling me to this church. If I had to do it all over again, I'd go, no way, it's too hard. But I was just dumb enough the first time. That's where we find the disciples. They've experienced ministry. They know what it's like. Jesus is saying to them now, the resurrected Jesus, but he's saying, come and follow me. Carry the gospel to the ends of the world. Talk about a daunting task. These are fishermen. They have no degrees, no diplomas. They've never been outside of Israel. And these fishermen are going to have the great commission, the task of going to the ends of the earth, the task of standing before kings and leaders and proclaiming the gospel. A little daunting? Absolutely. No wonder Peter wanted to go fishing. You know that when you get overwhelmed, if you're like me, you tend to do things that bring you comfort? Peter and the gang, they were fishermen. That's what they did. Why not go fishing? It'll bring comfort. In fact, you do what you're good at. For me, when I'm overwhelmed, I eat. I'm good at that. <laughs> In fact, if you ever see on my desk a bag of M&Ms and a large Coke, and it's peanut M&Ms, mind you, peanut M&Ms and a Coke, then you know that I've been stressing out. And if it's a super big gulp from 7-Eleven right there, then you better not come to church the next Sunday because I will have been in despair the whole week. Right? I mean, when you, when you get overwhelmed, you do the things that bring you comfort for Peter and the fishermen. They went fishing. That's what you do. You're good at it. Hopefully it will give you some success. But there's a problem with Peter and the gang. They went fishing. They went fishing all night. But they didn't catch a thing. In fact, Jesus comes up to them, and they don't know it's Jesus, and he says to them, Children, <laughs> have you caught any fish? And what do they say? No. Could you imagine that tone, right? Wives, you know that tone. When you ask your husband, hey, honey, did you fix the car? No. Hey, honey, did you, did you settle the thing out with your boss? No. Right? That no is, I don't want to talk about it. That no is, don't ask me again. That no is, filled with pain and struggle and hurt. Did you catch any fish? No. And then to add a little salt to, to the wound, you know, Jesus goes, why don't you just put the net on the other side of the boat? I mean, imagine they're going, Jesus, this boat's not that large. You think there's a, a, a pool of fish just on this side and not on the other? What, what are, you, are you crazy? We'll get there in a second. Did you catch any fish? No. When I started Reformation... I would attend those church growth seminars 
You know, we had our 20 people or 25 on this average worship. We had a little more than that, but we had a few people. It wasn't enormous. I didn't have a secretary at the time. I had to fold the bulletins. And, um, and so I went to a church growth seminar. And these church growth seminars, this one was held at Disneyland. And this Disneyland seminar for church pastors was how to run your church and learn lessons from Disneyland in order to grow your church. No joke, no joke. Someone paid for me to attend it. So I didn't waste any church money. Someone paid for me to attend it. And as I was there, I was thinking, you know, it dawned on me now that, that now I know why there are so many Mickey Mouse churches out there. I had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. I mean, it was terrible. But at the time, I didn't know any better, so I went back to my office, called Jamie up. Jamie, I'm not going to be home until a little later. And I started writing all the things we need to do. And it had like five or six things that if you do this, you will grow your church. And so I said, okay, I have to put my PowerPoint here. And I have to, and I'm looking around, I'm like, but how am I going to buy a projector? And where's the screen going to go? Because there's wood on the wall. So we have to renovate the wall. Wait, there's a computer that needs to be run. Where can you put the wires? I mean, my mind's going crazy. And I was so overwhelmed that I said, forget it. I can't do any of these things. And then I thought, what am I getting into? Mind you, I was just dumb enough to take the call. I wasn't wise. And so I started writing a letter of resignation saying I quit. I didn't have, I couldn't turn it into anyone. I didn't have a secretary or anyone. So I didn't know what to do with the letter, but I was ready to quit. Came home and Jamie just said, you're not quitting. So just knock that off. Get that out of your head. Go back to church. And so she wouldn't let me quit. But the point is, it's easy to get overwhelmed. The task of serving Christ is a task that's overwhelming. For the disciples, the idea of carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth, something they're not trained for, at least they don't realize it, is overwhelming. And so then they did the thing that they could do best, fish. And when they tried that, they couldn't catch a thing. Talk about being in a bad, bad place. That's exactly where God loves to work. And that's where he was working with them. Because in verse 6, Jesus says, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Then it says, When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. A miracle. A miracle catch. A huge catch. But I want to tell you that the real miracle isn't the catch. It's the lesson that's going to be learned in this passage. And what's really important is, I'm going to see if you've been listening. Where are they at at this time? They're at the Sea of what? Tiberias. Turn the Sea of Tiberias. <laughs> listening, that's right. Sea of Tiberias. Two times they're at the Sea of Tiberias. For this, the miracle catch, and one other time. The feeding of the 5,000. In both cases, a miracle happens. In both cases, Jesus takes bread and fish and he gives it to those who've gathered. Okay, so this is a miraculous event. Now what's important is the first time at the Sea of Tiberias in chapter 6, Jesus says to the multitude, no one can come to me 
unless the Father who sent me draws him, Helkian. Now, before he died, Jesus on the cross says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, Helkian. And then in this passage, they get the net full of fish, and they must draw, haul, depends on the translation, Helkian, the fish in. The whole point that we so often miss when we're reading this is the great miracle is, and the great lesson, is that God is the fisherman. He's the one who does the drawing. We are simply the net in his hand. Isn't that a great truth to know? That it's God who does the fishing, God who does the drawing. We're simply his instrument. We're his net. Disciples, you don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to be overwhelmed at the task in front of you. Why? Because God's the one who does the work. You're just his instrument. Now, now, now not just his instrument, but you are just his instrument. You're the tool that he uses to, to bring in the kingdom, to draw people to him. But Jesus is the great fisherman. And I really believe the great miracle of this passage happens when we believe it. When we actually believe that God is the fisherman. God's the one who does the work. When we really believe that God's the one who cares for us, who takes care of us, who provides for us. At that moment, the miracles happened. At that moment, we believe. In fact, when we can sing the hymn, How Firm a Foundation, and sing it with faith, that's the miracle. Fear not, I am with you, oh, be not dismayed. For I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand. Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Right? It's a miracle when we believe those words. We say them, we sing them, but when we actually can believe and trust that God is the great fisherman, God does the great work, we are his instruments, we are his tools, but God uses it, that God will provide for us, that God will hold us in spite of us. That's when the drawing has worked. That's when the miracle occurs. That's the lesson the disciples needed. That's what we need as well. But there's a funny thing about lessons, lessons learned. And you know what they are, don't you? Lessons learned are also lessons quickly forgotten. How many times has Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection? This is what? Third time, Will's been listening. There's about four of them who've been listening here. Good job, Bob. He's already appeared to him. The resurrected Jesus has appeared to him. Thomas has touched his side. Jesus has been with them. I mean, that's a miracle. If you can see Jesus raised, you should have no problems believing. And yet he has to show up three different times because they're slow on the uptake. They're the first Lutherans ever. <laughs> and so what Jesus gives them, every time he shows up, he gives them something to hold on to. 
He speaks to him in the first case. Second one, Thomas touched my side. And the third one, Jesus actually feeds them. And this is so important because in feeding them, you see the wonderful gift of forgiveness. In verse 9, it says there's a charcoal fire. Now let me ask you, there's only two charcoal fires in the whole New Testament, in the whole gospel. The charcoal fire where Jesus is cooking the fish, but there's one more charcoal fire where? before Jesus' death. Peter. Peter is near the fire. And the servant girl asks Peter, do you know this Jesus? And Peter says, no. And by that fire, Jesus, Peter denies Jesus three times. And why is this important? Because now they're by the fire. And Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. How many times has Peter, Jesus asked Peter if he loves him? Three times. He's denied Jesus three times. Now he gets to stand and say, do you love me? Three times. Why? Because it's for Peter's sake. It's to put him back together. It's to help him know that he is truly forgiven. It's to help him know that Jesus forgave him his sin. Jesus is doing this, giving him this meal, telling him, do you love me three times? Why? Because Jesus is gracious. He wants to put them back together. He wants them to believe that they're truly forgiven. A few years ago, I attended a, a Crucio weekend. And at the Crucio weekend, these men gathered, and there's an event where you get to experience forgiveness. And these men did this, and at the end... They, I was talking with them, and they didn't know I was a pastor. I was, I was undercover, and they go, man, you know a lot of answers. And I just kind of said, well, you know. But they shared with me, they said, you know, for the first time I felt forgiven. And I asked them, I go, but haven't you gone to church your whole life? Yeah. Well, haven't you heard the pastor say every Sunday you're forgiven? Yeah. But they said, there's something different. Going through this experience... Give me something to hold on to. Give me, let me realize that I'm forgiven. I went, good, I like that. That's what Jesus is doing for Peter. Peter's hurting. Peter, smelling the fire, reminds him of what he did before, denying Jesus three times. Now, as he smells the fire, he gets to, to smell forgiveness. He gets to be reminded that Jesus died on the cross. He gets to be put back together. And that's what God does for us every Sunday at the confession time. We gather why do you hear that you're forgiven? Why? Because you forget. Why? Because when you leave here, someone cuts you off and you get angry and you say something or do something and you forget and you wonder if you're really a Christian. And so God has to overwhelm us over and over and over and over and over again to remind us of what we already know, that we're forgiven. That's what Peter's, Jesus is doing with Peter. It's a gift. But the second gift is, I think, even better. Not only does Jesus forgive Peter, but he feeds his disciples. He invites them to be his gift. He gives them a meal. It's when they break and eat this meal, they begin to see that's really the Lord. Now, one quick question for you. What fish did they use to cook this meal? Was Jesus using that, the great fish of the catch or other fish? Other fish. And it's a good thing. And I'll tell you why. Because the, the great catch is a picture of evangelism. 
And how terrible would it be if the picture of evangelism is this, we catch them and Jesus cooks them. I mean, I guess I'm the only one who has fun reading the Bible. I mean, wouldn't that be terrible? Like, this big fish is meant to show evangelism, and what does Jesus do? He chops it up, he skins it, and cooks it. That'd be terrible. No, what happened in the passage, there's the catch, show evangelism, show that Jesus is the great fisherman. But Jesus provides his own fish. And in the Greek, it's a different even word. It's the small snack fish. The importance of it is, Jesus feeds his guest, and in feeding the guests, they begin to see who Jesus is, that Jesus is taking care of them, that Jesus gives them a meal. We does that in this as well, in the Lord's Supper. He takes care of us. He gives us a foretaste of the feast to come. He lets us taste that we're forgiven. It's a gift. That God takes care of us. In fact, Jean Veet says it this way. In the sacrament, Christ gives himself to me. All of his promises and everything that he did for my redemption and forgiveness on the cross are made so tangible I can taste them. I am touching, in fact, the risen Christ, as the first disciples did. And God's word ringing in my ears as I take this nourishment tells me that his body and blood are for me. That means that my sins are actually forgiven, that I can be assured of God's favor. Don't you see? God loves you. Christ has forgiven you. He is the great fisherman, and he has caught you. You are the net now in his hand. You are his. He will take care of you. He always does. He always will. What great news. Fear not, I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed. For I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent, and open your bulletins. We're going to sing this verse together. It's in your bulletins. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my right. Just omnipotent. Let's stand and sing it one more time. Fear not, I am with you, oh, be not dismayed, for I am your God, and will still give you faith. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my righteousness. In Jesus' name. Amen.